The whole point of the book of Hebrews and the, and the thing we need to take out. Maxine, are you warming up? Would you go turn that thing off? Yeah, Kyle, it's right down there and just whatever, just turn it off. It was set on 58. I turned it to 62. I know, but that was five minutes ago. Can you imagine by the end of class that that's how it works? <clears throat> um, the whole point of the book of Hebrews is this. God has had a plan from the very beginning of time. And we're a part of that plan. That plan is still ongoing today. The church has a mission to do. That plan did not end, and we're not just all sitting on the pews waiting on the rapture. That's not, what's, that's not it. We have, we're a part of that plan. We're a part of that story. Have you heard that before? We're going to have to open a window. I'm going to pass out. <clears throat> um, we're a part of that story. And, and you need to see that and how, how it all fits um, into, into the, uh, the master plan. Josh last week um, went through Hebrews chapter 11. And I, I want to just uh, begin this week. Um, you know, there, there's so much I want to talk. You know, Josh talked about last week, uh, the other Josh, okay, Graves talked about... Uh, Theotokos last week. He taught you a Greek word, Theotokos. And I knew, every time I've come to church being embroiled in Hebrews, something is said in the sermon that just, just blows me away. There's a word that I've been struggling with for about three weeks, and it's prototokos. Theotokos, prototokos. Prototokos is firstborn. The firstborn. Theotokos is God-born, God-brought. Theotokos, uh, prototokos is first brought. Jesus is the firstborn over creation. He's the prototokos. Israel was prototokos. It says in, um, where did I see that? Th- Psalm something uh, last night. Israel is my prototokos. Israel is my firstborn. That's what God says. Israel my first. So how all that fits it, it, just, it just blows me away. You'll see later on today. I want to set that, that uh, passage. Uh, a, a couple of things. Uh, does anybody know what the, uh, the Hebrew word hesed is? Hesed. If you don't, you need to know it today. Uh, it's, it's real funny. It's real funny when I say, does anybody know? And then I look out and Lee Camp and Josh are in the... Yeah, yeah they know. Hesed. No. Well, it is. It is. Thank you. It is. Hesed is grace. Hesed is unmerited favor. Hesed is loving kindness. It's God's faithfulness to all generations. That is hesed. The etymology of the word hesed is this. And I didn't know this until this week. The etymology of the word hesed is that God has a covenant with Abraham. And someday, sometime, somehow, he's going to make all this right. That's what it is. And in order to do that, he has to extend to us grace because we can't do it on our own. That's Hesed. And what blows me away is 
from the very beginning of time, from the very beginning of, of the Bible, as you read, Hesed is replete in the Old Testament. Um, when uh, uh, Isaac and Rebecca, when Rebecca was pregnant, remember Rebe- Rebecca's pregnant, and she is having a rough time carrying these babies. It, it is, and she's got twins, and she's carrying these babies. And she says this phrase, she said, If it is to be, then why am I this way? If it is to be, then why am I this way? Somebody tell me what that means. Here's what it means. If, the, if I'm carrying the promise, it's going to go through that line, remember? If I'm carrying the promise, why am I about to die? Because these babies are killing me. If it is to be, if the promise is to be, then why am I this way? It blows me away how that has been known forever. And I don't understand how Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, as hesed. I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. But the whole thing culminates in what we're talking about in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12. Let me show you one, a uh, couple things between Hebrews 11. The transition between Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12 goes like this. Hebrews uh, 11.3, it talks about creation. Hebrews 12.28, it talks about new creation. Hebrews 11.11 talks about covenant. Hebrews 12.24 talks about new covenant. It's moving us from the old way of thinking to the new way of thinking. I have a bigger Bible than anybody, by the way. I want to read something. Abraham, the great forefather of the host of nations. Look at Hebrews 11 and follow along with me. Abraham, the great forefather of a host of nations. No one was ever his equal in glory. He observed the law of the Most High. He entered into covenant with him. He confirmed the covenant in his own flesh. He proved himself faithful under Odile. By the way, it's not in your... This is from Ben Sirach. This is from Ecclesiasticus. The Lord promised, therefore... The Lord, therefore, promised him on an oath to bless the nations through his descendants. I've I've got a purpose in this. It's okay. Uh, to Isaac, too, for the sake of Abraham, his father. Also, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's said one time in Scripture. It's to the God of Abraham, to the God of Isaac, to the God of Jacob. Why? Because each of them accepted that, that, that to each of them had their own faith. It's not just... It wasn't just handed down like an inheritance. Each of them had their own faith. It's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. To Isaac, for the sake of Abraham his father, he assured the blessing of all mankind, but he caused the covenant to rest on the head of Jacob, Moses. From him he produced a generous man who found favor in the eyes of all mankind, beloved by God and men. Moses had a blessed memory. He made him equal to the holy ones of glory made him strong to the terror of his enemies. At the word of Moses, he made miracles stop. He raised him high in the respect of kings. He gave him commandments for his glory and showed him something of his glory. Uh, I could keep going. This talks about Aaron. This talks about Phineas. It talks about Joshua. It talks about Caleb. It talks about Samuel, Nathan, David, Solomon. 
uh, Rehoboam, Jeroboam, Elijah, Elisha, Hezekiah, Josiah, Isaiah, Zerubbabel, and Jeshua, and uh, Nehemiah. And then he goes off the deep end. <clears throat> and then he lifts up Simon, the high priest's son of Onias, as messianic. That's why Ecclesiastes did not make it into the canon. Because all the Old Testament is about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Does that mean we don't need to read Ecclesiasticus or 2 Maccabees? 2 Maccabees was quoted in Hebrews 11. Syriac is quoted all through the Bible. These are, these, this is the same time period. It's written about 200 B.C. Same time period. Good for us to look at. Scripture? I don't think so. But I fight with people all the time about that. Um, <clears throat> my point is, in Acts 7, when Stephen did his speech, and he did that liturgy just like that, his point was that you have never, you religious people have never, you killed the prophets. That was his point. They did this again. Syriac did this, trying to convince us that uh, Ben Josiah or whatever was messianic, was possibly the Messiah. However, two chapters later, uh, he buries him, so that didn't quite work out. But Hebrews, the point of Hebrews is all these people had faith. And it's not just that they had faith. It's that they took a risk that they stepped out on faith for God and did something unique for God because of the position they were in. It's, it's not that, you know, we all have a certain amount of faith. I mean, I have, I have faith stronger on some days than I do others. Uh, I have a lot of doubts, but I have faith. But these people stepped out on their faith, and they, they, they went that way. And that's the point of Hebrews 11. We are surrounded. Let's take a look at, uh, let's, let's begin at uh, verse 35 of Hebrews 11, then we're going to just go through this. <clears throat> this is the quote from 2 Maccabees. Uh, women received back their dead, raised to life again. That's found in 2 Maccabees. Others were tortured and refused to be released. Think about that. that I think of John McCain uh, in the Hanoi Hilton. They said, all you have to do is say that America's bad. Blah, blah, blah. And he said, I'm not, no, I'm not going to do that. And they kept him for three years. And it was real torture. He can't write he can't, he can't do it because his arms were out of socket. And all that's gone. That's torture. Why did I go there? Okay. <clears throat> they refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and floggings while others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. And then they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute. They had everything taken from them, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. You get that? The promise is still out there. They are in faith on a promise. They got nothing but a promise. 
God had planned, there's that word again, something better. That's the Hebrew word, 36 times for us. So only together with us, they would be made perfect. Now, I believe that uh, the first three verses of 12 are also part of chapter 11. He uses a word here, consequently. Your Bible probably has therefore, but it's stronger than that. It's consequently. That's For those keeping score, that's also a hapex ligamenta, which is found only one time in the New Testament. Actually, that's found in 1 Thessalonians 2. But uh, when an author does that with a unique word, he's trying to make a point. This is something serious. Therefore, consequently, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of martyrs. Literally, the Greek word there is homarter, witnesses. Now, it did not necessarily mean they had to die. The death thing came later. But martyr is witness. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Did you see... How many of you are in first service? Did you see on on God's door as he goes out as he goes out every morning? If that doesn't mean anything to you, when you see the film today, look at on God's door. It's this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the originator, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, I've got to stop you. Go back to ten. Uh, go back to ten, where we uh, talked about Psalm forty. If you will, just look at Psalm forty for a second. This is Jesus talking to God. You don't want sacrifice. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, verse five. It's the quote from Psalm forty. It should. But the quote is Psalm 40. I'm sorry? Yeah. You can either be right or you can be happy. That's all. That's the, yeah. <laughs> Jesus talking to God, sacrifice and offering. You don't want that. But you gave me a body. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you're not even pleased. And then he said, here I am. It's written about me in the scroll. I've come to do your will, O God. Now go to 12. And he says, keep your eyes on Jesus, the originator, perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before... Wait a minute. You said in 10, or I said in 10 that Jesus was a willing sacrifice. This says Jesus did it joyfully. Think about that. It really says because of the joy awaiting him, doesn't it? Not necessarily. I think maybe both. Well, I mean, but he knew what he was doing. The point is he knew what he was doing. And his last words, tostelos, telestai, it is accomplished. I did it. I know what I'm doing. I went to the cross and I did it. Scorning its shame, that's exactly what Rome intended by the cross. That It's a shameful way to die. 
He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He went straight through to heaven and he walked right up and sat down in the throne room of God. That's Revelation 4, Isaiah 6. All those descriptions, he sat down. Consider, it, that's an imperative also. It, it, it means you've got to consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I can't think of a way to inspire anybody to do the right. This group of Jews who have a faith in Jesus, but they're being torn by what the temple is offering. They're being torn by all of the, all the goodies you get by with a developer. They're being called to step out in faith like these people in Hebrews 11 stepped out and fix your eyes on Jesus. After what Jesus did for you, why would you want to go back? So, we're through the first three verses and the times, okay. <clears throat> this is kind of, this is, shows you one of the reasons why they were having so much trouble. Uh, I'm going to read the next f five or six verses and we'll talk about it all in one. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And all those others on the other page did shed blood. I mean, most of them shed blood. You guys, ha they're not killing you yet, is the point. Have you forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons from the Proverbs? My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those He loves. He punishes everyone He accepts as a son. Endure your hardship as a discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're an illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we all have human fathers who are disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined for us for a little while as they thought best. That ought to give all you young fathers a little respite. We do our best. But God disciplines us for our own good that we may share in His holiness. Discipline, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been drained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. That's a quote from Isaiah 35. Uh, make, your levels, make your level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather be healed. Let me just say this about the, the discipline thing. These people are obviously going through... Um, I think they're caught... I, you have to read into this what you think, but I think they're caught between being a Roman, Roman citizen, a Hellenistic Jew. I think there are Hellenistic Jews, people who have accepted uh, the Greeks being their overseers. And Judaism, the comforts of Judaism, Hamakim, our place where the temple is everything. Where you go to the temple, you get up in the morning, you go to temple, you go to whatever you do, you go to your schools at the temple, your the stores are right outside. The, you go to the temple. Everybody goes to the temple. There's no television. We go to the temple and hang out. 
You don't have to be worshiping all the time. We're at temple. This is what we do. I think they're caught between those two worlds. And because of Christianity, they're now beginning to suffer. They're being ostracized. Uh, but it's not to the point where they're being killed yet. That comes later. If you accept that this was written after 70, the temple's been destroyed. That's another, you, that's another way to look at it. The temple, so where do we go? What do we do? It's bad times if you're a Jew in Jerusalem around 70. That's where everybody's either, that's the great diaspora. It's where everybody's being run out of Jerusalem. They are being killed. They are being persecuted. They are being tortured. Um, the last bastion went to Masada, which is near the Dead Sea. And that was the last holdout um, who did not bow a knee to Rome. All right, so I don't know the answer to that. I just know that, that these people are beginning uh, to suffer. I wish I could read that Isaiah 35 passage, but I'm not going to be able to. But that is, a, it's a messianic vision of Isaiah. And it just talks about you keep your, you, you strengthen your weak knees, you strengthen your arms because you know what is coming. All these, all these passages that he alludes to have such deep, deep meanings if you have time to go to them. Yes? So when you see his talking about discipline, you think he, I mean, in the context of it, the discipline I view that is torture, opposition, I mean, all that other, that's, the, that's what he's considered as discipline, right? I mean, I, I mean yeah, the, and... and Exactly, and, and you're, you're also coming from the mindset of truly, I don't know any other way to describe it other than prosperity gospel. You remember when Jesus walked in, walked in and, and the disciples said, um, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his, or his, or his parents? Which one sinned? And Jesus is like, neither. Dudes, you've been with me for three years. What have y'all been doing? That's not, that's not it. He is this way. It was a it was somebody born blind, wasn't it? Isn't that it? He, yeah, it, 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 he is this way so that God will be glorified. In any circumstance you're in, God can use that for his glory. God. That, well, that, there you go. I don't know. It's a faith thing. It's faith. I think you have to be a meat eater. I think you have to look back at the great cloud, you know, I was thinking as we were doing the great cloud of witnesses thing, I was thinking as Joshua was talking last week, the great cloud of witnesses in my life didn't get sawed in half, but they came to church every time the door was open. When I know that, I better not do that. There are people walking among us today who you just have to ask yourself, why do they do this? Why have they dealt? You're taking food to somebody? Yeah, well, I mean, you ought to see that list. It's the same people that do that week after week after week, year after year after year. Never complain. That's the cloud of witnesses for me. That's it. I don't need these guys. Well, it helps. <laughs> but, the, but the cloud of witnesses are you. That That's... That's how I would bring it forward. All right. 
Let's keep going. Um, Verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and be holy. Um, I don't get either one of those right. Peace with all men or holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. Understand the grace of God. That it's not a God that, is gonna, that wants to kill you. It's, he's a God of grace. That no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Now that I could go on for about an hour on the bitter root deal. You all know what y'all know some of those people. Don't don't be a bitter root. Don't be a bitter root. There's just some if if you don't have anything good to say, just keep it to yourself. That's what he's saying. Every congregation's got the bitter root people. And I get those letters every week. Okay. <clears throat> See that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau. Well, I didn't know Esau was sexually immoral, did y'all? I mean, I, I jokingly say Esau um, is one of my favorite biblical characters because literally Esau means red and hairy. Um, <laughs> and I, I've always thought, uh, and I've taught Hebrews three times, I believe, and, and I've always thought that's just strange that he would pick Esau. But let's think about Esau just for a minute. So, first of all, when Rebecca said, if it is to be so, why am I this way? She's talking to God. And God says to her, let me tell you, Rebecca, two nations are in your womb. And the older will serve the younger. Okay? Okay. So she lives with that. I don't know. I hope she didn't say that to Esau. But so Esau's out. And he's a he's a wild, red, hairy hunter guy. The only other hunter in the Bible is Nimrod. So he goes. He goes and he's hunting. And he comes in one day and and he uh, he's just famished. He's just hungry. And uh, Isaac. I mean Jacob. Uh, I. Jacob, yeah, Jacob has made some stew. And literally he says, give me some of that red, red meat. He wants some of that stew. And Jacob says, sell me your birthright. I, I think I see Jacob has been doing that when he was three. Sell me your birthright. I want your birthright. <laughs> t- and finally Esau just had enough. Dude, you can have my birthright, whatever that means. I don't think there's much going on around here anyway. That means he got as the, as the prototokos... He got the double portion, the one with the birthright. And you know, you know the story, but what Esau did in doing that is he denounced his faith. He said, I don't believe it anyway. I'm out of here. He did not want the line to go through him. And I know that that Jacob was deceptive and all that, and we say he's a mama's boy and all that. We, I get that. I, I understand that. But he also wrestled with God all night long. I'm telling you, if I get down here and wrestle with Keegan, one of us is going to throw up about 10 minutes. That's the deal. You can't wrestle with anybody all night. So I have great respect for Jacob, even though he was kind of... 
and he did kind of fool his older father and that just seems really deceptive and we just don't like that but he had a faith the God of Abraham the God of Isaac the God of Jacob I don't understand it okay so let's keep going with Esau after I'm at verse 17 afterward you know when he wanted to inherit uh, when he wanted to inherit the blessing he was rejected he could not bring about no change of repentance to his mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. Tears don't get it. You have renounced your faith. So, here's the part. Notice the you have not comes and you have comes. I, I love how this writer does this, just to lay, lay it all out for us. He can't repet, the repetition is amazing. Four, this links us back to the whole conversation with Esau, Esau, and the NIV chose not to put that in here. Four, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and is burning with fire, to darkness and gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such voice speaking as those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. He's talking about Exodus 19. And if you go back and read Exodus 19, they've just come out of the desert and they go up to Sinai. And they camp kind of close to Sinai, but not real close. Why? Does anybody know why? Because what's going on on Sinai? It's on fire. The, the top of the mountain is flipping on fire. Okay, So they go up there and they think, this is cool. Let's just camp here because God's up there. He's got the mountain going and everything. That's really cool. And the next day it starts earthquaking and it starts rumbling and it start, there's lightning flashes and trumpets in the middle of our camp. It sounds like a trumpet and nobody's blowing the trumpet. Who's doing that? So they, they, think, that, they think that is, uh, I think they think that's cool. And God talks to Moses, and God Moses goes up eight eight total times here, and but on the, about the third time, God says to Moses, "Bring the people to the foot of the mountain." And He brings them, and they're all just like, "This is this." I mean, wow, this is cool. This is cool. Pyrotechnics. You notice this has never been duplicated in a movie. They part the Red Sea. It would cost much, much more to do this to show us this whole deal. This was amazing. The sound was amazing. And I don't think they were scared. You, you read it, but I don't think they were scared yet. And then when God, in His own voice, gives them the Ten Commandments, and He says, don't touch my mountain. If you touch my mountain, you're going to be stoned. Deuteronomy says that there were he's going to use the word myriads of angels there were myriads of angels guarding that mountain that's Deuteronomy 32 something like that myriads of angels when he does the ten commandments and they see that not only will he have anybody who touches the mountain be stoned but if, a, if your pet dog or lamb goes to the mountain and touches it that's to be stoned too. Why would God do that? 
It's holy. He's teaching them. They've lived in in Egypt for 400 years. They've forgotten what it means to really be holy. They're worshiping bugs. Bugs and uh, cows. And they've forgotten what it really meant. God is teaching them what holiness is all about. You can't come into the presence of holiness. Um, So that's Sinai. Let's keep going. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched, that's burning with fire, to darkness and gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words. To those who heard it begged no further word be spoken because they could not bear what? They could not bear the sights, the sounds. No, they couldn't bear what had been commanded because they knew, they heard the law and they knew, you know, we can't keep that. And they were scared to death. And they told Moses, you go talk to him. We don't want to hear from him anymore. He scares us. He's scaling. Verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in festival gathering, joyful assembly, to the church of the Prototokos, the firstborn, that's Jesus, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, who to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the... Let me me just stop you there and talk about Zion for a minute. Because I've seen Zion and it's unimpressive. David captured Zion from the Jebusites and he set up his holy place there. David brought the Ark of the Covenant and rested it on Zion. God says about Zion, 2 Samuel 6, 2, when they put the ark there, God said, this is my place, this is my city. This is where you can come and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. Hesed. 1 Kings 14, 21, when God had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there, God says, this is my little mountain. Here's my ark. The priest can sprinkle blood and here's where I'll live. Obadiah 117, but there will be deliverance on Mount Zion and it will be holy. Psalm 48, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, His holy mountain, beautiful in elevation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king. Psalm 50, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God has shown forth. Psalm 132, for the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for His inhabitation. Uh, This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have decided. I've desired it. So Zion was on, is a little hill. I'm from Tennessee. We have mountains. It's a hill. It's a hill. And not too far away is Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is where they built the temple. That's where David's threshing floor, if you were in first service and it was red, that's where David's threshing floor was. But Zion, and I, I asked while I was there, I said, we're standing on the Mount of Olives. We're looking across the Kidron Valley, Gehenna, the Valley of Hinnom. That's the garbage dump is right over there. And Zion is right there. And I said, Dr. Easley, where is Zion? 
And he said, you see that bus right there that's going over that road? That's Zion. And I thought to myself, on Zion's glory. No, I didn't. I thought, what? I paid all this money to come to Israel and that's Zion? I want my money. No. <coughs> Zion. Unimpressive. But what he's talking about is a heavenly Zion. Revelation 21. When God makes everything new, that's going to be, that's my place. And I don't think it has to be right there. I think it has to be in our minds that God is going to create a place that's going to be so magnificent. And that's the difference. So what is he saying? What's the author of Hebrews saying? He said, after all this, if you want to, you can go back and stand at the foot of Sinai and be under that Levitical law, under the Mosaic law, if that's what you want. But I'm offering you a place. Your father has his cell phone on. That's, that's, that's good. <laughs> but I'm offering you an opportunity to go to Sinai. And Sinai is about faith. It's about hesed, which is grace. That's the choice. Um, I've got a lot more, but I don't have time. Thank you.